The Laws of Forbidden Foods, Chapter 16. Continuing on the subject of taruvis, mixtures, first halacha. Yesterday we discussed the concept of bittel, and the typical measure of bittel is 1 60th. Let's say you have something that is forbidden because it's unkosher meat, and it falls into a stew and then makes up less than 1 60th of the volume of the stew. The forbidden portion would be nullified. But that's not the case with spices and with leavening agents, or anything that's important. Such things can never be nullified. Second halacha. So for example, yeast that's truma that falls into regular dough. If there's enough yeast to cause the dough to leaven, then the whole dough would be truma. Or if there was spice that was truma and it fell into ordinary soup, the whole thing would be considered truma. Third halacha. Now we're going to define something that is important, Dabar chashuv, and here Rambam does it by way of a list. Nuts from perach, sealed barrels, beet shoots, cabbage heads, Greek squash, pomegranates from bedan, and loaves baked by a private person as opposed to a bakery. Fourth halacha. So if you had a pomegranate that was arla, and it was from bedan, and it got mixed with a bunch of other pomegranates, the entire mixture would be forbidden. Fifth halacha. Something can also be considered chashuv or important if it's the type of thing that would be served to a guest as like a piece of meat. And in such a case, if a piece of meat that was nevela fell into a stew, it could not possibly be nullified unless it was removed. And then if it was removed, then one would measure whether it's shishim. Sixth halacha. The same rule would apply to a piece of meat that gets mixed with milk. Seventh halacha. The same thing is true with whole animals. Therefore, if an ox that was sentenced to die gets mixed up with a thousand other oxen, they all would be forbidden. The same is true for a firstborn donkey. Eighth halacha. Something that is sold in a specific number also cannot be nullified, but here Rambam brings the exceptions. If you have a bundle of vegetables that come from Kilai Karim, and they get mixed with 200 other bundles, those would be permitted. Ninth halacha. Whether something is a davar chashuv obviously depends upon the place. Certain things are considered significant in one place, may not be considered significant in another. Tenth halacha. If a mixture of, for example, pomegranates becomes forbidden because one of the pomegranates is a prohibited pomegranate from Bedan, and then one of those pomegranates falls into another mixture, that mixture would be prohibited. But then if one of those fell into another mixture, that one would be permitted. And the concept here is fake sveka. We have two doubts. Eleventh halacha. If the mixture of pomegranates was usser because a single one of the pomegranates was usser and it was one of the pomegranates from Bedan, and then someone opened up the pomegranates, so now they would be subject to the regular rules of bittel, of nullification. And the same thing is true about a piece of meat that's fitting to be served to a guest. If it gets cut up and put into a stew, now the regular rules apply. Twelfth halacha. That said, if someone did this on purpose, in order that they should be nullified, sages penalize them and say it can never be nullified. It's only if they do it by accident that they could be nullified. Thirteenth halacha. If there was just enough yeast in the dough to cause the dough to rise, and half of the dough came from Kilai Karim, and the other half came from Truma, the dough would be permitted to a Kayan because they're allowed to eat Truma, it would be forbidden to a Yisrael. The theory is that for the Kayan, there is not enough forbidden yeast to cause the dough to rise, but for a Yisrael, there is enough forbidden yeast to cause the dough to rise. This is necessary to understand the next halacha, 14th halacha. With respect to other things can combine, two things that share a name do combine. So if there's yeast from wheat and yeast from oats, they combine. 15th halacha. The same thing is true for, for example, river parsley, meadow parsley, and parsley that grows in gardens. Rambam treats these as if they're all different types of parsley, but since they're all parsley, they would all combine. 16th halacha. Now let's say yeast from a forbidden source fell into dough that already had enough yeast in it. If there was enough yeast from a forbidden source to cause it to rise, then it is forbidden. The same thing is true with spices. 17th halacha. Truma can cause orla or kilai karam to be nullified. Let's say you have 99 saw of ordinary produce, and one saw of truma falls in. Then half a saw of kilai karam and a half a saw of arla fall in. Each of those could be bottled in 201 times their measure. And here they have 201 times their measure as long as you count the truma, which we do. But only a kain would be allowed to eat this. 18th halacha. Same thing is true the other way around. If an amount of orla falls into a mixture, that on one hand is bottle in the mixture, and on the other hand enlarges the size of the mixture so that the truma would be bottle, and now the truma is bottle as well. 19th halacha. True with respect to arla and kilai karam that they can be mavatal one another, and Rambam explains the mechanics of it. 20th halacha. Since arla is prohibited for benefit, if a shirt is dyed with pigments that are made from arla, the shirt must be burnt. But if it is mixed with 201 other shirts, and here, by the way, we presuppose that we don't know which one is the one that was dyed with orla, it would be nullified. 21st halacha. The same thing is true with dried pigments. 
If pigment that was Arla got mixed in with 201 times that amount that was permitted, it would be permitted. That's dried pigment, but if it was liquid pigment, then it would just have to be bottle by rave. That is, it would have to be more permitted than prohibited. 22nd halacha. If an oven was heated with Arla, it would have to be cooled off before it could be used. This is because Arla is prohibited for benefit. The same thing is true for Kilai Karim. 23rd halacha. Any utensils that were made in a kiln that was heated through Arla, they would be prohibited. 24th halacha. But if bread was baked on coals that were made out of Arla, and in this case, obviously, we're talking about the shells of fruit, because there wouldn't be anything prohibited about the wood, the bread would be permitted. The coals are something that are completely different from the original Arla. 25th halacha. If a plant that was Arla became mixed together with a bunch of other plants in the same vineyard, and the ratio of permitted to prohibited was 200 to 1, one would be permitted to gather fruit from all the plants together, and thereby nullify the Arla. This is not considering being mevatel and isul mechatchila, because in such a case, obviously, the farmer does not know which plant is Arla. 26th halacha. In any case in which someone catalyzed cheese using something that was forbidden to benefit from, and here the obvious culprits are Orla, or the keva or stomach from an animal that was offered as a sacrifice to an idol, since the cheese was catalyzed with something that is forbidden to benefit from, the cheese is prohibited. This is true even if there was an extremely small amount used. 27th halacha. The fruits of Arla or Kilakarim should be burnt, and any liquid that comes off the fruit should be buried. 28th halacha. Any wine that was actually used to worship idols, if it gets mixed with regular kosher wine, does not matter the quantity, the kosher wine would become prohibited for benefit. But this is if the permitted wine is poured into the forbidden wine. But if a drop of the forbidden wine is poured into a giant cistern of permitted wine, it would not render the permitted wine prohibited. But this is only if one is pouring from a small jug that only allows a single drop to leave. It's being poured from a jug with a large opening. Everything is prohibited. 29 Talacha. In a different section, we discuss the difference between wine that was offered to idols and what is called stam yenam, or ordinary, non-kosher wine. If even a small quantity of stam yenam is mixed into kosher wine, it is forbidden to drink the wine, and the wine should be sold to a Gentile. And then the value of the forbidden wine that was poured into the kosher wine should be thrown into the Dead Sea. 30th halacha. Wine and water, however, are considered to be different substances. So if non-kosher wine is poured into water, then it would only render the water prohibited if the taste of wine was detectable. But once again, if the forbidden was poured into the permitted, as long as it is drop by drop, the halachas apply that we discussed earlier. If a pitcher of water fell into a cistern of wine, and then afterwards, non-kosher wine fell into the same cistern, we determine whether the water is enough to nullify the taste of the non-kosher wine, and if so, it is nullified. 32nd halacha. If water that was used as a libation to idols falls onto grapes, the grapes should be cleaned, and then they would be permitted. But if the grapes were cracked, then they would be not permitted. 34th halacha. If forbidden wine fell onto dates, in any event the dates would be permitted because the wine gives them a bad taste. 34th halacha. If forbidden wine fell onto wheat, the wheat would be prohibited. 